Hello everyone, I hope you are well. I'm Carlos Carnicero Uravallin and I want to welcome you all to Future is Blue, a series of podcasts bringing together top experts from academia and think tanks to discuss the most pressing European economic and policy challenges of today. This is a Funkas Europe initiative and we hope we can bring new ideas for a more inspiring debate about Europe. So hello everyone. Today we're joined by Alice Fivisenko, who's senior advisor at Funkas. Hello Alice, how are you doing? Well, Carlos, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. I think it's it's um it's great you're back. I understand that you're gonna uh, bring us some uh, some of the key insights that are included in the latest uh, CIFO Funkas publication. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. We just published our latest issue uh, in the beginning of February. We're going to highlight, among many different issues, the monetary policy outlook for 2023 and also the interplay between banks and markets as regards to corporate financing. All right. I think this, these are two, two of the topics that are going to be so much on the, in the agenda, in, the, in particularly in the Eurozone this year. So it's great we're going to cover them today. So I wanted to start the the um, this interview asking you about the, um, the the rapid rise in interest rates that we've seen globally and in particular in the in the Amazon. So what what are the key trends that you have observed? Well, first off, it's important to note that 2022 last year was a year of record interest rate increases, according to the BIS, the Bank for International Settlements. In 2022, globally, we saw central banks around the world hike interest rates 200 times of 25 basis point hikes. This is versus the previous record back in 2006, where we saw 120 interest rate increases. So, so it was a really strong year for monetary tightening. In 2023, the monetary policy roadmap in the EU looks pretty much set out to see successive interest rate increases throughout most of the year. Um, the Eurobor has been pricing that in and it's been trading upwards since the summer of last year, summer of 2022. Going forward, a lot of these rate hikes are already discounted. They've been priced in and we should see slower growth in the Eurobor in 2023. Well, this is so interesting. So after 16 years, so the previous record in terms of the number of times that central banks all around the world were, were rising interest rates, the previous record was in 2006. Now we got a new record last year in 2022. And so if previous, the previous record was um, um, 120 increases, we got to 200. That's quite a new record. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it just really shows how determined central banks were to fight inflation and to, to gain that credibility that they were targeting the fight against inflation above anything else. So I wanted to ask you specifically about how this relates to the to the issue of financing how is this all these massive increases we saw last year how is it affecting financing which of course is a key issue for all all economies sure exactly so as we said the rate increases have been particularly pronounced uh, as of last year and that has brought about strong implications for credit markets and for banks so one area where we've seen uh, very much affected has been the area of corporate financing Within the EU, and Spain included, obviously, 
it's assumed that basically the companies here are overly reliant on banks versus capital markets financing. That was actually originally the logic behind the Capital Markets Union Initiative in Europe back in 2015. That prompted a lot of Spanish and EU corporates to issue bonds on the international on the international capital markets for the first time. There were there were debuts. Um, last year's inflationary spiral led to interest rate hikes and that quickly translated to spikes in secondary market rates. So what we saw was that there was a shutting out of EU and Spanish corporates that were not able to issue on the markets and that drove them back to the bank financing channel which a lot of them had abandoned as capital the markets had become more developed. This is a phenomenon that was not observable only in Europe. It was also seen within the US which as we know is very traditionally capital markets reliant. For example, according to the Federal Reserve, bank financing for corporates last year was up 19% versus 1.5% for corporate bond issuance. So that really shows the scale globally to which we saw capital markets just lock out a lot of issuers. So the banks are attracting corporates as an alternative option to corporate bond markets at present? Yes, that's, that's right. We're seeing that the cost of bank financing, bank loans, has remained lower, it's be remained below the capital markets costs. So even though banks themselves have seen funding costs increase, they, they haven't passed those costs on as strongly to consumers. It's worth noting that deposit costs have also been less volatile and that also helps the banks to, to offer still attractive loan terms to many corporate borrowers. Uh, do you think this, uh, this situation will persist over time as the tightening cycle continues uh, a, a bit more slowly? That's, that's a very good question, Carlos. I mean, first we have to put this situation into context. So as we said, back in 2015, the idea in Europe was to boost the capital markets in terms of providing credit to corporate issuers. And that was the initiative that we discussed, the capital markets union at the EU level. And this moved very slowly. So as this was progressing last year, we saw this natural experiment where capital markets basically collapsed and corporates were shut out. But we saw that the banks were still there to provide credit. And this was important because what it really did was reaffirm the importance of the traditional banking channel, particularly in times of crisis. So we also saw the favorable characteristics of banks in some areas. For example, they're typically buy and hold investors. They're more patient. They're relationship oriented. They value relationship with their clients. They were slower to pass through costs. So essentially, while the situation may not be sustainable over time, capital markets ultimately will open back up, banks will adjust their rates upwards, but last year did show us the complementary nature of markets and banks and that the goal in Europe should be to increase and deepen capital markets reliance, but not to unbank Europe. What are the overall dynamics for the, for the banking sector under the current rates and the economic context? Right, well, just as banks played a very crucial role during the pandemic. They were providing credits, supporting the economy. They will be key in the post-pandemic era. But we need to consider their overall circumstances on a broad level. So for example, their net interest income should increase because of higher interest rates, but they are still facing a lot of challenges from pandemic overhang and, and the war and in general. So under certain scenarios, banks could see a spike in their short-term funding costs, which would be at the detriment of earnings. Um, Credit losses could increase as households and firms face higher debt servicing burdens. Asset quality could deteriorate, which could translate into banks having to increase provisions. And lastly, we have to see how the negative economic environment, how that plays out. That could hurt 
volumes of credit. So the situation has to be considered not in a vacuum, and there's lots of uncertainty. It's a very dynamic situation, and the banks will have to, to adjust. Where do you see the central banks uh, going this year? I mean, I think, I think, do you expect a change in the trend of, of, of interest rate rises? Do you think they're gonna, this is going to reverse already this year? Or do you think we need to wait to 2024 to put an end to interest rates rises, at least here in the Eurozone? I mean, I think all of this will obviously be data driven, but I think that um, definitely we're going to continue to see tightening. I think central banks have been making it a point to counteract this kind of market perception that maybe we're going to be heading into an easing cycle somewhere soon around the corner. I think even if rates go up at a slower pace, I think the direction will will likely continue to be the tightening cycles that we've been seeing. I think banks feel that it's important to keep that, central banks feel that it's important to keep that, that dynamic in place and that we're not out of the woods yet in terms of inflation. So I think we will continue to see tightening, but that it might go at a slower pace and everything will be very data driven and we'll have to wait and see also how the economy, um, how economic growth unfolds. Are we seeing a sort of chicken game between the, the, the central banks and the markets here? Yes, I think I think that's something that our in-house experts at Funkas have been have been um, kind of saying colloquially. Um, it's something that we've we've noticed that, you know, when you say the chicken game, it's this concept of, you know, both sides have a position and it's kind of seeing who will back down. So it's this standoff between markets and central bankers. The central bankers are trying to say that, you know, we're going to continue fighting inflation, we're going to continue raising rates, and the markets are kind of reading signals that maybe inflation is abating somewhat, and maybe there's some possibility that the central banks will will soften their stances, and so it's kind of just this, this standoff to see who would win, and I think it's it's finally starting to, to back down a bit from the side of the markets, and they're realizing that the central banks are serious and they remain committed to to, to keeping prices in check. But that's something of a little bit of a phenomenon that we that we've been noticing in recent months. All right, Alice. So th thank you so much for all your all your comments. I think we're gonna leave it here. But um, I'm gonna remind our our audience that the the, the, the I'm gonna add the the CIFO, the latest CIFO Funkas report is gonna be added in the show notes. So thank you for bringing all that to today's show. And uh, let me remind everyone that Alice Faibisenko is a senior advisor at Funkas. Alice, thank you so much. Thank you, Carlos. Always a pleasure. All right. Stay well. Thank you all for joining. This was all for now. We will come back soon with more exciting speakers on Europe's economic and policy-related key debates. Future is Blue is a Funcas Europe initiative. I'm Carlos Carnicero Ravallen, and if you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to recommend it to others and share it on social media. Thank you all, and stay well.